Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So just to start off, um, if you can give an introduction to yourself and to the Black Alliance for Peace, and then we can move from there with questions. Okay. I'm the uh, national organizer for the Black Alliance for Peace, a formation that um, was launched on April the 4th, uh, 2017, April 4th being the, uh, um, I guess, anniversary, if you will, of the assassination of, of Dr. Martin Luther King. We thought this would, would be an appropriate date to launch uh, this alliance, uh, an alliance committed to attempting to uphold peace, but also to uh, focus on anti-imperialism. Um, the objective was to uh, build a formation that would uh, not only address the issue of um, peace and anti-imperialism abroad, but also to connect that to the struggles for social justice um, and social peace, if you will, uh, in the U.S. So connecting the local and the international uh, and building a movement to, in fact, impact the politics of the U.S. And, um, and the anti-war, the broader anti-war and anti-imperialist movement. So that's what we do. And we've been building ever since we are approaching our fifth anniversary in April. Um, now we've been for the last, uh, of course, few weeks focused on the uh, Ukraine situation. Um, and, but along with Ukraine, we also are dealing with the other ongoing uh, issues that the U.S. and Western European nations find themselves uh, immersed in. Great. So I, I'd love to pick up exactly with that and talk about the Black Alliance for Peace, the response from the organization to the Ukraine crisis, to NATO um, in particular, and uh, where you know the U.S. is heading uh, in in your perspective and the organiz organization's perspective with this crisis and what it could mean for global ramifications for the global South in particular. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the most interesting uh, situations to arise over the last few decades, um, because what we have is. Uh, a particular kind of focus on Ukraine uh, because of the, the fact that you have a shooting war now uh, that's taking place uh, in Europe. Now, what is what makes it distinctive is that uh, the kind of shooting war that we're seeing, that we saw erupt in Ukraine and some of the, 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 the actors, if you will, involved in that, are some of the same actors that have been involved in shooting wars across the global south for the last few decades. Um, the difference, though, is that 
while most of those wars in places like uh, Yemen, uh, in Libya, uh, the continuation of the occupation in Syria and in Iraq, uh, the ongoing slaughter in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, they never received the kind of attention that we see um, is being given to uh, to Ukraine. Uh, so uh, what we see as a consequence of this is some very contradictory kinds of possibilities. Mm. One, uh, one would hope that with the US public being exposed for the first time in almost two generations uh, in a very intimate way to the horrors of war, mm. that that would be, um, that will provide us opportunities to, 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 to galvanize opposition to war. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, the war propagandists are using these images uh, not to uh, uh, galvanize people to oppose war, to call for a ceasefire, to find a way, if there was a way for some type of diplomatic solution, uh, but in fact to uh, motivate people to be even more militaristic right. and to engage in this uh, a glorious fight uh, in, in Ukraine. Right. Uh, so this is very dangerous because it, we see that there's almost been a sort of irrational kind of response to this, uh, this blanket condemnation of not only the Russian government, mm. but the Russian people. Right. And so we're concerned about the further normalization of military conflict. We know that uh, the US has a military first strategy, uh, but that strategy uh, could have been even more aggressive if they believed that they could get away with more uh, with having public support. Now uh, is is troubling because uh, they might be able to do that if the public is now being conditioned to believe that it's only one way to conduct U.S. foreign policy, and that is uh, aggressively using the instruments of of war. So what we're trying to do is to take a position to uh, oppose uh, this this conflict, to help to try to put it in perspective. Um, We know that it's important because it's the possibility of it escalating into a conflict between the U.S. and Russia to uh, nuclear armed um, nations. Uh, but we also want people to understand that there's ongoing issues. We say, if you want to understand Ukraine, uh, you need to decenter Europe right. and focus on imperialism. Right. Okay, that's not to suggest that Ukraine is not important, but it's suggest- to suggest that the issue has to be a critical understanding of imperialism. Right. Imperialism provides the material basis for this conflict, uh, and it is the uh, the uh, issue that will uh, survive Ukraine, okay? So we're trying to engage in in, in educational work around that. We're trying to uh, help to rebuild uh, an anti-war movement in the midst of this war frenzy, Uh, but it's been very difficult. But, you know, we we have no other other choice but to try to continue to, in fact, build that kind of uh, movement, if you will. And I wonder also, you mentioned the Black Alliance for Peace coming out of the uh, 
moral and intellectual tradition of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I wonder also how you take uh, his very principled anti-war stance against the Vietnam War um, and in, in some of his final speeches uh, in Breaking the Silence, for example, um, and how you kind of carry on that tradition in the organization of being, you know, centering imperialism, centering the American empire uh, as, as one of the great evils of the world, uh, as he would have put it, um, and applying that perspective to this conflict too about, uh, you know, this is a continuation of, of war and imperialism as great evils. And then I guess in applying that to, you know, the, the political positions that can be taken on this as Americans having to oppose NATO uh, as one of the big takeaways from this situation that NATO is a principal force of, of destruction in the world and we have to be against it. So I wonder how that comes out of this tradition of, of, uh, of radical anti-imperialism uh, and being against war that focuses on America as, as the greatest, as he would have said, one of the great doers of, of evil and uh, injustice in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that is one of the um, uh, moral foundations for the work of the Black Alliance of Peace um, in opposition to the uh, mindless violence that has always characterized the um, the the behavior of what became the U.S. Empire yeah. from the time that it established itself uh, on the uh, shores of the of the U.S. and engaged in its uh, march across the territory that became the United States of America. Yeah. At the center of of the experience has been a violence, state violence, institutional violence. So what we have today is just the latest manifestation of it. Uh, during Dr. King's period, it was Vietnam, it was the slaughter of people of in Indonesia, uh, it was the uh, invasion of, 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 uh, of various countries around the uh, world. Uh, it was, you know, those issues in the 1960s and to 2022, it's uh, Ukraine, it's uh, the continuation of the war in Yemen, it's the uh, occupation in Syria and Iraq. Uh, it is the use of sanctions against more than 30 nations around the world, which is a form of warfare, right. uh, with the objective being the same, to basically uh, uh, position itself to be able to extract value mm. from peoples and nations around the world to ensure that it remains the hegemonic global power. Right. So Dr. King would be opposed to uh, this war migraine the same way he, he ended up being opposed to it uh, after April 4th, 1967. Hmm. Um, and we believe that we are on solid moral grounds taking up a very similar position. The departure point though might be this, we say um, no justice, no peace, mm -hmm. uh, but for peace, you have to fight for it. So we believe that the oppressed, the colonized have a moral uh, and human right to struggle for, for justice. Mm -hmm. um, and that means to struggle for justice in any way that they feel 
uh, feel will be effective. So we don't take a principled um, uh, anti, uh, uh, a principled nonviolent position as Dr. King. We respect it right. and respect people who do that. But um, we think that that's not something that uh, we can uh, morally uh, uh, support right. uh, in 2022 with the uh, intensifying contradictions we see today and with the uh, uh, commitment that the powerful uh, have made to utilizing violence in order to uh, maintain and expand their, 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 their dominance. Mm -hmm. And I wonder with that, um, as you're, you know, relating uh, the support of, of oppressed peoples to struggle for their self-determination, uh, to speak a little bit about where the U.S. empire has overextended itself throughout the world today. So something that I, I've seen more people talking about in the context of this has been just how much NATO has expanded since the end of the Cold War, not just in Europe, but also to the global south to begin including, uh, for example, the intervention in Libya as an attack on, on an African nation. Uh, and then you have affiliated military alliances like AFRICOM, which are doing you know, copious amounts of damage within, within the African continent. NATO has expanded to, uh, to Asia, to encircle China, to uh, Latin America, to oppose Venezuela and Cuba. So I wonder if you perceive this as the American empire really beginning to create a, a, a globalized kind of military force uh, and whether that poses uh, an opportunity in this crisis for, for us here in the U.S. to take action uh, to bring about the end of this globalized American hegemonic military presence um, and, and in the process to help the struggle of people trying to liberate themselves from, for example, AFRICOM in, in, in Africa. Mm -hmm. Well, as you know, this globalized military apparatus is something that was um, constructed at the uh, end of the Second Imperialist War, known mm -hmm. as the Second World War. Um, it's taken on uh, a, a much more developed uh, uh, institutional expression with the expansion of, of NATO um, and other structures. Um, the U.S. global command structure, where they have basically carved up the entire planet into uh, military command structures, um, the uh, their basing uh, network of between 800 to 1,000 uh, bases, depending on how one defines uh, a base. Um, it's um, uh, nuclear forces, uh, and now its development or uh, moving toward a rapid development of uh, hypersonic weapons. Um, so it's the ability of the U.S. to, uh, in military terms, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to cause all kinds of, of suffering and death has been quite acute. And we saw that just in the last 20 years with the so-called war of terror that ended up costing uh, more than a million lives and the destruction of a number of, of, of nation states on the planet. So that apparatus is, is in place and it is uh, still lethal. Um, and up until this war with 
uh, NATO or this 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 uh, Russian invasion of of uh, Ukraine, uh, we saw cracks. We saw cracks in terms of support for NATO, uh, and we saw people raising issues and questions regarding uh, the enormous amount of money that was being uh, devoted toward the military budget in the U.S. Um, but now with this war, we are finding ourselves in a, a, a political position where we have to, uh, uh, you know, create a structure arguments that can counter the very effective uh, argumentation for support for NATO, the necessity of a NATO, if you will, and, uh, and the need for this enormous amount of money being devoted uh, toward the uh, military budget. So what we're up against is a well-developed military apparatus. It is in place, it's become more and more lethal. Um, and um, we have to figure out a way which we can in fact build opposition, but we have a very weak anti-war and anti-imperialist movement in the US. Uh, and right now there's a lot of disarray as a consequence of the uh, conflict in Ukraine which makes our forces even weaker uh, in terms of our ability to try to uh, galvanize support uh, or opposition to, uh, to the war. So it is a, it's more than just a subjective desire to want to oppose. Uh, we have to also have a clear understanding of where we are, the conditions we are operating in, um, to be able to discern what or where might be uh, spaces for us to be able to take advantage of the contradictions of the of the, of the state in order to uh, make some inroads uh, in terms of the ideological struggle. And I think one of the greatest uh, connections that Black Alliance for Peace has made for a lot of people is connecting uh, the domestic struggle for African Americans and other domestically colonized people in the U.S. or in the territory, uh, the settler colonial nation of the U.S. with the struggle for other people worldwide. One of the things that I uh, respect of, of the campaign a lot is, is the connection with, for example, the 1033 uh, campaign to show that the militarization of the police here, this militarized policing is directly connected to uh, Zionist military policing uh, on Palestinians or uh, the U.S. global military police. So I, I wonder if you can talk more about that too. Of with this with this crisis, you know, the opportunities for uh, exposing NATO as a, a white supremacist organization, and then making the connection to say that the actions of the U.S. empire abroad uh, against people like Africom, for example, against uh, people on the African continent, are analogous to the U.S. Uh, militarized policing and uh, domestic occupation against African Americans and other colonized people here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's you know in your question, you 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 identify what are potentially some vulnerabilities mm -hmm. that the state has when it comes to trying to uh, push a pure military option for. Uh, for its, its policies. And that is, you have to have public support. Mm -hmm. Now, the challenge that we have is that 
one of the things that we see that is an opportunity for us with this uh, Ukraine situation and the you know, uh, hyper or increased understanding of NATO is that now we can uh, more effectively uh, demonstrate the true nature of, 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 of NATO mm -hmm. as a white supremacist structure, a military structure uh, committed to maintaining the hegemony of the, of the pan-European colonial capitalist project. The, 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 unfortunately though, we're gonna be able to make, and are making progress in terms of that, in terms of, of, of people understanding that, 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 that character among uh, black people or African people and other colonized people and some elements of the radical white left but for many elements of the radical white left and many elements of the middle stratus uh, in, in U.S. society, they're not getting it. Right. And in fact, this conflict is, is going to solidify more support uh, for NATO. Yeah. So while we are going to be able to uh, enhance people's understanding, uh, the, the organizational challenge we have now is almost in effect attempting to, to build a new kind of alliance among anti-imperialist forces in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, because right now the, the, the left in the U.S. Is, is so, has been so corrupted yeah. um, and so collaborative that um, it's almost useless to, to the global south. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be these lines of, these ideological lines of demarcation. Mm -hmm. That have to be drawn, uh, and and then we struggle have to struggle through this stuff. So yeah, how? But what what does that mean for the general public? You know, it remains to be seen. Um, one thing, another point of vulnerability though is is the consequence of this of this war on the on the domestic situation. Right. Yes, we make that connection between the domestic and the international. We show people that 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 because of the legitimation crisis of the system, that it has become more and more reliant on on force and violence to maintain itself. That's manifested in its aggressive policies abroad and its um, intensive uh, repressive policies domestically, uh, in, 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 uh, represented by increased surveillance. Uh, the hyper-militarization of, of the police forces, uh, uh, the continuation of mass incarceration, et cetera, et cetera. So we make all of these connections uh, to demonstrate that uh, we are in a different kind of space, a, a different, uh, at a conjuncture right now where um, either we are able to build effective opposition and begin to shift the correlation and, and, and balance of power away from the bourgeoisie, or we're going to be facing the possibility of, of, of global collective annihilation. Right. Because it's quite clear that these folks are, are committed to either maintaining their hegemony or blowing up the world right. uh, in the process. Yeah. So yes, we want people to understand the true nature of NATO. We want them to understand why we have an AFRICOM. Africom is not there uh, for the for any kind of not motivate, motivated by any kind of benevolent 
um, uh, ideals is there to dominate the African continent, to try to keep the Chinese out. Mm -hmm. um, so all of these connections we are attempting to make, are trying to make, because the struggle that we are involved in right now is a struggle for, um, for awareness, for consciousness, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, the terrain of consciousness is really where this this war of maneuver has to be has to be fought. Right. Without a shift in consciousness, there, there could be no action. People are not going to understand or have any inclination of the need for getting organized. Right. Yeah, and and that uh, point you made of of conscientizing people really of bringing their awareness to these things that they may never have known about of NATO uh, and also particularly of AFRICOM, that's kind of where uh, I would I would like to ask the last question, which is to say uh, Black Alliance for Peace does great work in the sense of doing the AFRICOM watch of, you know, notifying people what AFRICOM is up to on the African continent. And I think that before recently, a lot of people didn't even really know that we have such a an extensive military presence on the African continent in the form of this command structure. So uh, I guess my last questions would be, what have you learned by studying and, and observing more closely the US military presence on the African continent? What should every American and really anybody listening know about, about this African uh, military presence that the US has? Uh, as you said, it's, it's definitely a, a position against China overtly. Um, and how does it fit into this, this new Cold War that we're living in uh, against China and Russia? I think what we, what we want people to understand is that um, AFRICOM is a structure that uh, is, was put in place uh, in order to uh, provide a military um, tool for the control of various nation states on the African continent. Um, for example, just in the last few years, we've had something like um, nine military coups mm -hmm. on the African continent. Uh, most of the soldiers involved in those coups were uh, in some way or another affiliated with or trained by AFRICOM, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, so this AFRICOM is a instrument of, of U.S. and European imperialism, U.S. imperialism primarily. Mm -hmm. And we want people to understand that. Look, we believe that we can't sugarcoat any of this stuff. That We have to be absolutely clear mm -hmm. um, in terms of what these relationships really are and how to characterize them. So we want people to understand AFRICOM is a tool of imperialism. Mm -hmm. AFRICOM is not by itself, though. So we talk about AFRICOM, we, we talk about the training that the uh, AFRICOM is giving to the various military uh, militaries on the African continent. Uh, we point out also too that you have these special programs at the State Department where they are also training police forces mm -hmm. on the African continent. Why? Because they are working with those comprador elements, those local uh, elites in these nations most of them are not committed to democracy at all, right. but just committed to basically uh, playing their role as, uh, as subordinate elements to the international bourgeoisie uh, in order for them to get a little piece of, that, of, of the action, if you will. Right. Okay? And so to do that, you have to make sure that the population 
that's getting kicked up the ass by uh, imperialism is kept in check. Mm -hmm. And so that's the role of these structures, AFRICOM, the police training, the CIA, uh, uh, the Israeli uh, trainers on the African continent. Right. These are all uh, instruments of imperialism. So we want people to understand that. We also want people to understand too, Joseph, that there are other command structures we're also concerned with. We're making the connection between uh, AFRICOM and the Roy's plan in Africa right. and the Indo-Pacific command. Yeah. Where the uh, Obama started the pivot, so-called pivot to Asia. Um, and the uh, Biden administration wants to uh, to complete that uh, that pivot, uh, and that Indo-Pacific Command is in place, and primarily now its mission has been focused on the containment of China, the military containment of China. We want people to understand that, because again, it reflects the military first strategy of the U.S. Uh, and and the the competition is involved in with these various nations. We want people to also understand Southcom, the Southern Command. This is a command that's whose primary responsibility is the Caribbean and mm. and and the zones around Latin America. Um, we want people to understand again that this structure is there in place to perpetuate uh, imperialist objectives, mm -hmm. uh, to control and contain, you know, Cuba and Venezuela and, and Nicaragua and and all of the political developments on the uh, Latin America or the Southern uh, uh, American uh, uh, part of the America's continent. Mm -hmm. um, we, we want people to understand the terms of this struggle, uh, that these folks are serious, they have these structures uh, in order to advance their interests, mm -hmm. and it is incumbent upon us to understand that and to uh, struggle against the state that is responsible for developing these structures and imposing its dominance right. on the rest of the world. And that's important because we have so many elements of the so-called left. Mm. They're so enamored with all these sort of moralistic uh, kinds of argumentations uh, that uh, you know believe that they can't get their hands dirty and, and the, the dirty work of having to build uh, revolution and to and what it, it takes to build a socialist alternative that uh, you know they are susceptible to crude U.S. propaganda right. that will criticize uh, you know uh, what may be happening in in one of these countries that are trying to go through a socialist uh, transition uh, and so when the U.S. moves against a Bolivia for example right. instead of people coming to the aid of evil morales people are sitting around discussing his mistakes, right? you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy, but that's what we have to deal with. So that's our task and responsibility is a difficult one because uh, the, the right, I mean, the, the US society has moved to the right yeah. and with that also the so-called left. And so those of us who take a resolute and firm stance against imperialism, uh, we find ourselves in the crosshairs of, of the state mm -hmm. and the continued critique and criticism coming from the uh, the social imperialist left, mm -hmm. but that's all right. We understand our responsibility, uh, and we're more than prepared uh, to carry out that responsibility. We we tell uh, folks who are listening to this program that if you believe in a real anti-imperialism, mm -hmm. if you believe in uh, the possibility that we can win, 
if you want to work with the Black Alliance of Peace, if you're a non-African, non-Black folk, uh, you can work with us. You can mm -hmm. join the uh, a Solidarity Network mm -hmm. um, and, and, and work with us. But uh, you have to understand that this is a formation that is anti-imperialist, it's militant, mm -hmm. it's revolutionary, uh, and is grounded in Black leadership. So if you if you dial for that, can accept that, uh, we uh, we welcome you to participate uh, in in this in this in this struggle. Well, thank you so much uh, for that, and and I hope everybody who does listen to this checks out the Black Alliance for Peace and gets involved in the struggle. I think the last thing uh, I would ask is, do you have any uh, events or anything upcoming that you want to shout out for uh, BAP? anybody listening should know about um and then they can go check that out any actions anything uh we'll say right now uh, in terms of if you want to understand more about ukraine we just updated our uh, ukraine page huh. so black go to the black go to resources and check out ukraine and we have our, everything there you need to know about i start like cnn that you need to know about the ukrainian uh, situation um and look out for the mobilizations we are going to be involved in. I can't take off the top of my head what specifically besides some of the webinars that are being organized, uh, the action of the Black Alliance of Peace on the regional levels, and they are doing all kinds of stuff. So if you want to follow what's going on, go to our, our site, check out the event pages, uh, check out the Facebook page, uh, and, and check out our, tw our, our, our Twitter stuff and, and help us to amplify uh, our analysis. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, comrade. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, solidarity to you and everybody at BAP, and uh, and stay sane in this in this crazy time. Um, so I, I appreciate thank it. You. I'll definitely keep in touch, and uh, I'll definitely. send I'll send by the uh, the links to the interview when we get it up. Sounds good. And you you stay safe and keep on struggling. Thank you so much. All right.